Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, the independent lifestyle desk's weekly podcast on love, dating and relationships. Hosted by me, Olivia Petter, lifestyle writer. And me, Rachel Hosey, assistant lifestyle editor. Each week, we'll be discussing the core dating issues affecting millennials today. There are endless podcasts out there on love and relationships, but we felt that no one was really speaking directly to our generation, where people ghost, zombie, and breadcrumb each other quicker than you can say Tinder. Today, we're going to talk about two super interesting topics. The first one being post-sex serotonin. Now, this is the hormone that gets um, released after you have sex with someone. And it basically, it gives you, it's that kind of happy for, um, feeling that makes you feel more connected to someone um, and can, you know, sometimes make you develop feelings that you didn't have before. But we wanted to start with the topic everyone's been talking about all week. And this is the short story that was featured in The New Yorker called Cat Person, which you've probably seen all over your Twitter feeds this week. But if you haven't, perhaps Olivia, can you explain it? So if you haven't read it, it's um, it's been all over Twitter with that very sort of garish uh, social picture of those two people kissing really close up. And um, it's by an un- fairly unknown writer called Kristen Rupen- Rupinian. I think that's how you say her last how do you, name. How do you... Uh, Rupinian? Rup- Kristen Rupinian. I, okay. We're, We're very sorry, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, that's the trouble with being a writer, not a broadcaster. Yeah. Um, anyway. But interestingly, this is the first thing she's ever written for The New Yorker, and it has gone viral. That's insane. I know. She's never done that? anything before. How hard writers try to make a story go viral. Her I first know. one, she pumps out with this. I mean, respect to her. I know. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons why this one has resonated so much. Big time. So basically, the crux of the story is it's told through the perspective of this 20-year-old student called Margot, and she is working at a local cinema when this guy, Robert, comes in and asks for some red vines which are some very niche yeah. sweets i presume they were an american thing I'd yeah never i think so them. they sell such weird stuff at american cinemas um <laughs> but that's besides the point i'm thinking like twizzlers vibe that's what i'm twizzlers. going for okay yeah. anyway the sweets that they are is sort of irrelevant to the story yeah so irrelevant anyway <laughs> so robert is this 34 year old guy and they at the time she doesn't know he's 34. no she knows he's older but she, she thinks mid-20s or so yeah so they have this like flirty text exchange and They have a few meetings and it essentially culminates in this quite awkward, uncomfortable sexual encounter and which leads Margot to break it off brutally via text. Um, And then... Well, her friend actually sends the text for her. Well, yeah, exactly, because she's too afraid to... To set to be so brutal, she says something like, "I'm not interested in you anymore. I think we should stop seeing each other," mm. or something really mm. blunt. Um, Please stop talking to me, or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And um, 
And then he sees her out in a bar one night and she ignores him and it's a bit awkward. And then she gets all these drunk texts from him the next day. Wait, do we, we don't know he's drunk. Well, it, you can sort of tell that he's drunk because in the texts that he sends, there are a lot of typos. I know, but I still think that doesn't necessarily mean he's drunk. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, I read it that way, but maybe not. Interesting. Um, and then anyway, the final text that he does send to her calls her a whore. Yeah, it's awful. It's the last message. She's like, will you, he goes, are you sleeping with that guy I saw you with? Are you? Are you? Are you? Whore. Yeah. Which is just horrendous. And this is this story has, it's gone huge. I can't believe how big it's gone. Basically, it's all these women, especially those in their 20s, sharing it going, oh my God, this is so relatable. And a lot of men going, wait, what? Why? I don't get it. What are you all on about? And there are so many parts of this that I'm just like, oh my God, yes, that. Yes, that. One of the things that I found most interesting was the fact that she gets scared. She has these irrational thoughts that when she's alone with him, he might murder her or rape her or, you know, and I've so had those fears. I remember when I like went back to a guy's house after a few dates and I just suddenly thought to myself like, what if he rapes me? What if he kills me? Yeah. And to be honest with you, I just don't think that's a fear men get. When they're alone with a woman? No, I don't think they feel as vulnerable. But also I think that says a lot about the way that their relationship starts, which is the way that most relationships start nowadays, which is via text. Mm. It's via this passive communication rather than in real life. And I think the issue with that, particularly with this story, is that, you know, Margot says when she's texting him, they never spoke about anything personal. They're just sort of trying to impress each other the whole time, telling witty jokes and one-liners. And it allows you to almost project this vision of what that person is actually like in your head without actually knowing them at all because she's never spent any time with him in her life so that's where that fear then comes from it's like she's in the car with him and she suddenly realizes oh god I don't know anything about this person and I'm going to his house to have sex with him but what if he rapes me what if he murders me mm. and that's so relatable but mm. I think that is because of how their relationship started yeah that's what I think is another yeah definitely something that I totally related to it's like if you um, meet a guy at a party or something and then you move on to messaging and you message for, you know, a week or so and you can completely construct this image of someone in your head that it's, it's completely idealised and romanticised mm. and then your imagination just gets carried away with you and th and that and then you, you meet them and you're like, whoa, actually, this person maybe isn't ex who I made them out to be at all. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting... The story just perfectly shows how the power shifts change because there are, we we see times when um, Margot feels all like sassy and oh I feel so confident and sexy because I know he fancies me so much to being scared and vulnerable, which I think is really interesting. Well, another thing I loved was the fact that she felt the need to be polite and nice all the time, which I think is something women you know, have been brought up to feel like we need to do. So a big main example of this, and obviously this whole podcast is spoilers. So if you haven't listened to it, give us a little pause. I mean, if you haven't read it, pause the podcast, go read it, <laughs> then come back. Um, so basically they go on this date and when they've had a few drinks and then she, you know, decides they she wants to go back to his um, and he has cats. That's why the story is called Cat Person. And um, so they get into his bedroom, you know, and it's as if they're going to have sex. She then realises she doesn't want to. However, she feels like because sex has been initiated, she can't change her mind because that would be rude. 
And I think that's another thing a lot of women have experienced. I don't know, how is it the same for men? But for women, that is very common to feel like you don't want to feel like, oh, I'm a tease or I led them on. If you think you want sex and then you change your mind for whatever reason that might be. I think particularly in this scenario, it's quite prevalent because she is the one that almost initiates it as well mm. because they're sitting in the bar and she's the one that says, right, should we get out of here? Yeah. And then she says when they leave the bar and they're standing outside, she says something like, I presented myself to him ready for him to kiss me. Like she's very much forward. the one. Yeah, she's very much the one that's driving this forward. Mm. So I think then to, and that it's, it's so it's so common because, you know, you change your mind about people all the time and it's very realistic. All the time. <laughs> so then she gets back to his house and she realizes, God, I'm in a stranger's house. This is kind of uncomfortable. And then she sees him getting undressed and it makes her recoil a bit. And Well, yeah, that is another very interesting issue that's been brought up from this. Some people have accused, I don't know if it's accusing the writer or the character, they say the story is fat shaming because there are actually quite I'm a few. I didn't yeah, see that. that is interesting. Yeah, I know. There are a lot of mentions in the story of Robert's belly. Yeah. And I, one thing that was, I thought, really stuck in my mind was when they're back at his house and she's, you know, they're going to have sex and he takes off his, um, well, he undoes his tra trousers, undoes his trousers, even I can't undoes speak. his trousers. Undoes his trousers. <laughs> and, and then, you know, goes to take them off but then realizes he hasn't taken his shoes off i mean we all do that so then he bends over to undo his shoes and then like means his and then there's some mention of that meaning she really gets a view of his like hairy big belly mm. and there's all these mentions to like his hefty weight on top of her and and it basically it says that Margot sort of recoils and feels repulsed and disgusted and obviously you know there is no obligation for her to be attracted to him. You know, you don't have to fancy everyone. However, it's in the story, it makes it seem like she is being repulsed by his body when she notices, you know, his size. And she said before what he was wearing, it covered it up. Mm. And, um, and she feels the need to push past her disgust at his body. And I think, yeah, a lot of people have said... I mean, there's just, it really goes on about his yeah. size. But can I say, I think the reason why that is so clever on the writer's part is because it really drives home the difference between expectation and reality mm -hmm. when it comes to relationships. So like we were saying before, how, you know, she doesn't really know this person. They've only spoken via text. She's only really met him once or twice. Why would she know what his body looks like? Mm -hmm. it, you know, in her mind, he's probably got this perfect Adonis-like figure and he's allowed to have that figure in her head because she's projected that onto him. And it sort of uh, like emphasizes the weird paradigm mm. between what actually you expect and what actually happens in a relationship. However, I don't, I really don't like this. It actually, I think it does not, this aspect of the story, I think does nothing for body positivity and body confidence because yeah. I know that for myself, for other women, for men, we may feel like, you know, confident in our clothes. We know how to dress for our figures, but a lot of us are terrified at the prospect of undressing in someone, in front of someone, and them seeing our naked bodies or our bodies in our underwear, because we don't feel confident with what we look like. And we have this fear that when someone actually sees your naked body, your body, what it looks like without flattering clothes on, they're not going to find you attractive. Yeah, I agree with you. That is that. I mean, it's a weird aspect of the story that that's what she chose. That that's what the writer chose to focus in on. That his, mm. you know, his belly. But again, I do think that 
again emphasizes what you were saying like how vulnerable people are when they have sex and when they show you know when they take all their clothes off in front mm. of a person it even though it's written from the perspective of margot mm. you you sort of end up sympathizing with robert on this i keep wanting to call him robbie because of margot robbie <laughs> oh gosh that's funny <laughs> it's well, really annoying the <laughs> robert from. what i think is interesting as well is in the story you don't know whether robert is the villain or the victim I think it, I don't think it's either. It's very interesting. And some people have said, you know, the character of Margot is this, you know, privileged, educated, slim, young, white woman. And she, and he, and he's, she's treats him unfairly. A lot of people said, however, what I think is hilarious. Well, not actually hilarious. It's actually quite troubling, but really interesting <laughs> is the fact that so much of the criticism of this story fat shaming aside, has been very misogynistic. So much so that someone, some genius somewhere, created a Twitter account called Men Response to Men Respond to Cat Person, yeah, where it literally yeah, just yeah. shared responses from men to the story. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have. But I think one of the reasons why it has prompted such misogynistic comments. Do you want to give some examples as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have them. No, well, they they just say things. They just say things like, "I don't get it." She was such a tease, and it's just it's just very much saying they just completely don't understand the female viewpoint. Yeah. So the, what I was going to say, I think the reason why that happens is because this story, it's very rare that we get access to fiction that is purely the internal discourse of a female voice mm. and that it that voice becomes so mainstream in popular culture think about the majority of rom-coms or films that you know it's very rare that the protagonist is a female and it's the story is exclusively told through her point of view mm -hmm. as it is in this case and i think because of that you know it's it's one of the first times that so many people have engaged with that solo female voice in a narrative that it has shocked people to the extent where people are almost eager to criticize it because they think, how can this person think that? But it's like, that's what all women think I in know. their heads. You just never see that. What I really thought was, I think like a lot of the things that the character of Margot thinks is so relatable, but many women think, oh, I must be crazy. Like, that yeah, can't exactly. Be real. And they doubt themselves. Yeah. But I think it's so common what she goes through yeah. to change your mind over someone and... It's very hard to know yeah, it's how much very you hard like someone if you really want to do that. Like, it's not something that a lot of people do casually, yeah. even though it may sound casual, but it's not. I've just found an example of like some of the responses that men have been giving. So this was shared on the Twitter page. Um, this guy goes, but we live in a world where women's safety is more important than men's feelings. Majority of abuse helplines are for women. Men taught women first. Never hit a woman. There is a re there is never a reason to hit a woman. Even when the man is justified, people believe the man is in the wrong. Like, what? It's just so close-minded, isn't it? And then someone else goes, I love how this somehow turned into an anti-male story. I must have read it very differently. I didn't see any issues of consent at all. She was just confused and unsure. Then she ghosted him. The worst thing he did was call her a name at the very end. I mean, that's not the worst thing he did. No, it's not. But also, it's, it's not about consent. Like, it is consensual sex, but it's unwanted sex, which is how the author describes it when mm. she wrote this editorial for The New Yorker after the story. And that's what she says. It is unwanted sex, which I think is very common. Mm. And I completely agree. Because, because it is this fear of, you know, hurting the other person's feelings or fear of humiliation. It's... 
Exactly. It's actually almost when you're trying to be nice and you're trying to be a good person mm. that sometimes then you, you can end up hurting someone even though you're trying actually not to. Yeah. I think the, one of the most one of the most poignant bits of the story for me, which I saw circulating a lot online, um, highlighted by various people, was the bit after she's slept with him and she's realized that she's no longer interested in mm. him, but she's still thinking about him. And then she realizes that she's not actually thinking about him, but she's sort of nostalgic towards the idea that she had yeah. projected of him. So I'll just read out this one little bit. Every so often, over the next day or so, she would find herself in a gray, daydreamy mood, missing something. And she'd realized that it was Robert she missed. Not the real Robert, but the Robert she'd imagined on the other end of all those text messages during break. And that is so common, I think, for people to just fantasize about this person. And you just build them up in your head to the point where they could, it's impossible for them to live up to your expectations. You'll always inevitably be disappointed. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard. And I think that's another issue, like going slightly off topic. Um, it's That's an issue with dating apps as well. Because you can like look at pictures of someone and from their messages create this idea in your head. And that's yeah. why I think a lot of people get, um, you know, actually a bit depressed after a date when it doesn't live up to this idea they've had in their head. Yeah, totally. But anyway, I don't know. I think overall, I think it's a brilliant piece of writing. The ending was so striking, but I was so like, oh, my God, yes. That it's, 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 it's I a, was quite disappointed by the end. Oh, no. Oh, you. I loved it. Because I thought it was so like the sort of it's the fragile masculinity idea yeah. that guys, a lot of guys. And I'm sorry if this sounds really like we're just two ranty women. A lot of guys are really nice until you reject them or are not interested in them. And then they suddenly get defensive and say all these horrible things oh, to gotcha. you. And I have, I have experienced that firsthand and it is awful. And it makes you feel like the worst person in the world. But really, it's just their own, like you said, fragile ego. But I think to write him off, to write Robert off at the end of the story, as the author has done with him calling her a whore, feels a bit like a cheap shot. And I just think, given the complexity of the rest of the story... She, there could have been a more impactful way to end it, I think, because using, you know, it's the only expletive in the entire story, I think. And so it really stands out and makes an impact. And I just, mm. I'm not entirely sure if I feel comfortable with the way that he's just been written off as, you know, some kind of a-hole that uses those words towards women, uses derogatory terms like that. I mean, I just thought it was very um, realistic, actually. Yeah. Anyway, it's definitely raised lo loads of interesting talking points. So if you have any thoughts on it, like do tweet us at Rachel underscore Hosey or at Olivia Petterwong. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Totally. I think it's super interesting. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? 
Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Anyway, let's move on to the dating disaster of the week, considering that story was a whole disaster. <laughs> um, thank you so much for sending this in. This was from someone who DM'd me on Twitter, slid into my DMs. <laughs> um, all right, so here we go. I was seeing this guy for a few months, and he's about four years younger than me. He had a bit of a bee in his bonnet about me being older than him. We were at dinner one night and talking about negotiating our salaries and pay rises. He's a big four accountant, and I'm a lawyer. He made a comment about how he thinks I'd probably earn more than him based on comments I'd made in the past about negotiating salaries. Then I said, I'm four years older than you and law pays more than accounting generally, so I probably do. And he said, let's write down the salary range we think the other earns and swap. Rather taken aback, I went along with it, wrote what I thought he earned, and then we swapped. He guessed the right range for mine and said, wow. Well, I guess you're older than me, so I'll be earning more than you than what you're earning now in four years' time, unless I give up on life and go staff, i.e. non-client-facing side. I got quite defensive, but what a dick move. He also dumped me in the middle of Trafalgar Square after the theatre when he said he wasn't seeing anyone else currently but wouldn't go exclusive because he didn't want to rule out the possibility of other women in the future. God, there is just oh. so many problems with that story. Oh. So gross. First of all, that has to be the least attractive thing to talk about money oh, I in know. any sense on a first date. But particularly it's not a first date. I think it's just it's been seeing each date. other for a few weeks. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no a few months. A few even, months. Actually. A few months. Okay, but still, to talk about money with the person that you're dating and how much you earn, like, I wouldn't even talk to my friends about that, really. It's just... The thing is... so crass. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, I feel like people don't need to be like... You don't always need to be cagey about money and salary and who you're with. And I do think, you know, actually, you know, in some instances, there's a lot of times when actually being more open about salaries can help with equality. Um, however... The way he went about it, write down what bracket you think I'm in. And I mean, what? Do you, do you know what? As well, I, gonna, I'm going to say this again. That male ego. That's what <laughs> everyone's going to, everyone's <laughs> going to hate me for this. Well, no, not the woke men who I would that enjoy. Darn ego. Um, I think, oh, it's so tricky. A lot of men feel emasculated by a woman earning more than them. Hashtag not all men, I know. However, I think this guy... <laughs> Couldn't deal with it. Yeah. The fact that the woman he was dating earned more than him. And he had to justify it to himself. Like, well, it's only because you're older. When I'm your age, I'll be earning more than you. Such an archaic way of thinking, though. And also Ugh. just so, yeah. Ugh. Love that roll of the tongue. Yeah, that wasn't really meant to be a par. <laughs> no, I think that had quite the opposite effect. It went a bit par <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, poor girl. And then he dumped her in Trafalgar Square. Yeah, it's a bit sad. Really sad. Also, of all places to be dumped... And to be like, I'm not actually seeing anyone else, but I just want to keep my options open. Yeah. Oh, Horrendous. We really feel for you, but we're grateful to you for sending it in. Also, we do want some dating disasters from men as well, so please do send Mm. those in. We know we have some male fans. We We know you're listening. (laughs) We've spoken to you. (laughs) Thanks for the feedback. Now send us your stories. Because we know that women can be awful too. Yeah, they very much can. 
speaking of which, no, I'm joking. This isn't <laughs> speaking of which. Um, so this is a topic which I think is super interesting. And this is about, now we don't want to get too scientific. So obviously neither of us are that hot on our science. Now this is the idea of the serotonin, which is one of the hormones which is released after you have sex with someone. So basically it it's it's sort of released it's released in men and women and it's I don't know if it's serotonin cuz serotonin Isn't is the it one serotonin that makes you happy. And oxytocin. Yeah, I think it's both of them. So it's serotonin and oxytocin. Oxytocin is known as the cuddle hormone. Hilarious. And serotonin is known as the happy hormone, which I think you also get from exercise and a mm. whole other range of things. Um but essentially why it's this feeling of attachment after you have sex is more prevalent in women than in men is because oxytocin is kind of, the effect of it is amplified by estrogen and it's dulled by testosterone. So obviously that means that women who have estrogen mm. feel more attached to men after they sleep with them than a man. And you know, the effect of, which has been well documented by various studies for a man, it's you know, it's called like la petite mort or something in French. It's mm. when men feel exhausted and they just want to go to sleep. After oh my they god, have sex. they always just fall asleep. Yeah, so that is also and women the always lie. And women, totally awake. women feel energized and they want to cuddle, and and that's that's all down to your hormones. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. And like, so serotonin is also is the hormone that um kind of I think it's linked to love. I don't know if it's what makes you fall in love, but it's what's happening when when you're falling in love. And yeah. I think what you said that, you know, that bit about the testosterone like makes so much sense because I actually read this stat ages ago. Um, and I think it's quite rough. It's basically that, uh, I can't remember if it's two thirds or three quarters. I think it's three quarters of, um, men can do sort of casual sex, friends with benefits, whatever it might be. Um, no strings attached without starting to feel attached. Whereas women, it's the opposite. Three quarters, can't oh, do really? that without developing feelings really see i don't i just don't know if that's entirely true obviously like i understand the scientific bit of it but i know so many women who not they don't sleep around but they you know sex isn't necessarily something super meaningful mm. to them you know in this, oh, completely and i think that's a really damaging stereotype that women can't enjoy sex the same way that men Big can time. And that is something that is so ingrained in films. And oh, it's so annoying, songs. actually. Yeah, that guys think you're suddenly going to be really needy. Yeah, it's and it's Ugh. almost it's just a horrible idea. It's so derogatory. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. However, however, <laughs> I do think that after you have sex with someone sometimes you do then feel you like them more than you did before. Yeah, I think I think you do, but not necessarily because, I mean, maybe it is because of the hormone, but I think, you know, even when we were talking about cat person, when you have sex with someone, you are very vulnerable with them. You are, yeah. you're naked, you're like, you're in this intimate situation that it's just the two of you and it's you feel very connected to them. So I think it's only natural then that you will obviously feel more attached to them. But... I don't think that necessarily means that, you know, it could be, it could be short term. It, I don't think it necessarily means that you can't then, that you, that you fall in love with someone immediately mm. after you sleep with them. Mm. I just don't think it works to that extreme degree. No, and like cat person, case in point. Well, exactly. After sleeping with him, she was like, mm, actually, nah. Exactly. Like and the sex can be awful and awkward. Yeah, and exactly. It, and it often is first time, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, and sometimes it's when you have sex with someone and then you're like, mm, no, yeah. we, don't, we don't connect. Yeah. We don't. But I don't know. The hormone thing is interesting because it is scientific and it is, you know, 
actually proven, mm. but yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's always necessarily the case that you're going to uh, suddenly fall in love with someone because you have sex with them. I mean, it's just not, is it? No, it's just not the case. But then I do know people who have started relationships where they've literally slept with someone on the first date and they've been together for two or three years. Well, yeah, and I have a friend who, um, <laughs> her current boyfriend who she now lives with, they started out just having casual sex. Really? Yeah, for actually weeks. But then, I mean, then I guess it was mutual. Mm. They both decided actually want this to be more... I think and that's quite rare that both of them yeah. were in that same headspace. Yes, and I actually think it's very risky because even if at the start you tell yourself, oh, no, no, I'm not going to get attached, I'm not going to get attached. Um, you know, as the song goes... Well, no, this isn't quite right. I was going to say, don't be afraid to catch feels. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Is that, wait, how does the song go? No, stop trying to make me sing it. Go on. <laughs> don't be afraid to catch feels. <laughs> that was so beautiful, Rachel. I remember quite the singer. I was in choir at school, you can probably tell. Um, well, that's the thing. You can't always predict when you're going to catch feels. No, Which I think can't. is a lovely turn of phrase. Yeah, I agree. But I think there's many more things that can happen in a relationship, sex aside, that can help you catch feels. For sure. I think it's a, a general, I mean, a gradual process. Yeah, sometimes feel kissing. Catching. Sometimes kissing can almost feel more Oh, intimate. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, well, like sometimes you... Oh, yeah. Yeah, snogging is great. Quote <laughs> <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> snogging is great. Uh, just sort of like, I really just like thought about that for a second. I was like, yeah, it's great. Um, no, Love but completely snog. before, you know, sometimes you... you you know, and not actually sure if you fancy someone, they have a great snog and you're like, mm, yeah. Yeah, I totally do. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it doesn't need to be mm. the full-blown sex. However, I don't know if all the hormone situation releasage comes from a kiss. A good old snog. No, I think that's passionate more of make a... make-out sesh. Yeah, probably more of a mental thing, I think. Is it linked with orgasm? Like, if you don't orgasm, does it not happen? Yeah, it is linked with orgasm, so I should have mentioned that. So oxytocin is released when you orgasm. So if you don't orgasm, you're so not then, getting yeah, that's it. True. But, that's but then what we were talking about before, just the whole act be and being naked with someone yeah. is, that is naturally going to bring you closer to them. So mm -hmm. oxytocin or not. For know. sure. Well, anyway, I don't think we can really reach any conclusion on this. Sex no. might make you feel closer to someone. But it might, it might not. not. <laughs> <laughs> Very conclusive episode of Millennial yeah, Love. Good. Yeah, good. <laughs> We're just throwing up all the answers here. <laughs> right, so Bumble Bio of the Week. Now, we have to say, what with it being Christmas and it being a very busy time, um, Olivia and I haven't actually had much time for bumbling. No, we really haven't. So this um, Bumble Bio of the Week is actually not one we've seen this week, but it's one I saw months ago and I just loved so much that I remembered it. Um, Off by heart? Yeah, it's not long. <laughs> oh my God. But I just thought it was really... I, I just... I really liked it. Um, yeah. However, it's questionable for a podcast because it sort of doesn't really make sense spoken. You have to read it written down. I'm going to do it anyway. And so just disclaimer. Bear with. You're not going to be like, that's amazing until I sort of explain it. Um, okay, so it goes... I can't remember the name of this guy. Don't know if we match. But anyway. Relevant. I know. He had a great bio. <laughs> yeah. So he goes, what's your favorite? A manger? A way in or Pret? <laughs> like <laughs> Pret a manger? A way in a manger? Yeah. I mean, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I get it. It's cute. I love Pret. Mm. 
Mm. I love all Christmas songs mm -hmm. and all Christmas things. Look forward to next week's episode, guys. It's going to be festive themed. Oh, yeah. It's um, a very timely bio. I wonder if he changes it to, you know, go with the seasons. Well, do you know what? I don't think it was even a, anything remotely around Christmas time. Oh, was did it not? It, yeah. But considering, you know, Pret is a good good place for a Christmas sandwich as well. That's then, true. Then, you know, arguably it is quite a festive bio. Mm. But maybe is that something we should be doing? Seasonal bios? To be fair, mine does. I mean, you're asking the wrong gal as the Grinch herself. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, having a Christmas this bio. is the Grinch. It's Olivia the Grinch and me being essentially Buddy the Elf. Mm. So <laughs> She literally has fairy lights around her computer and tinsel. She wore a tinsel hairband yesterday. It was a scrunchie. A t yes, a tinsel scrunchie. A yeah. tinsel scrunchie. <laughs> you know, why not? Why not? It's Christmas. It's the time. I feel like this may be uh, why I'm single, because I wear uh, tinsel scrunchies. But, you know, not going to change who you I am. You'll find the man that loves tinsel scrunchies, Rachel. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he's out there. I'm sure he's a niche character, but yeah. I'm sure he's out there. <laughs> well, if that's one thing we've learned from our experts in recent weeks, it's don't compromise on yourself. No, exactly. Why and have a checklist. Have and a checklist. And yours should be likes tinsel scrunchies. Yeah, but potentially not on himself. No, Although, that... Mm, I don't know. Actually, <laughs> I think about it. <laughs> no, no Maybe not. Sure. Maybe not. Anyway, alas, that is it for today. So please subscribe, rate us highly, I hope. Review us on iTunes as this helps other people discover our podcast, which we do work hard on. So we'd love to spread it far and wide. And if you do have a dating disaster story, please send them in uh, to millennial.love at independent.co.uk. And don't worry, all stories will be kept anonymous. And boys, we want to hear from you especially. So please send them in. And you can also tweet us at Rachel underscore Hosey and at Olivia Petter one See you next week. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.